Hello, and welcome to Wine Grants, unscripted chat about the unfunded, the official podcast of the unfunded list. I'm Dave Moss from the Moss Family Foundation and founder of the list and the host of this podcast. I'm sitting in a booth right now, and with me in that booth is Alex Dickinson from the Awesome Foundation. Say hello, Alex. Hey, hi, Dave. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, I have found your bio online, uh, and as is my habit, I am going to start off the podcast by reading it. Uh, our guests at home will be happy to know that your bio is a little bit shorter than most, <laughs> so perhaps we will have some folks who actually listen to the entirety of this, of this episode. Alex is a social media strategist and digital advocacy tactician who helps to build the hive and manage the buzz at Beekeeper Group. I see what you did there. Yeah. In 2014, Alex was recognized as an emerging leader by Washington Women in Public Relations. Since starting a beekeeper group in 2012, Alex has provided strategic support and content guidance to a wide variety of clients, including nonprofits, trade associations, and Fortune 500 companies. In her non-beekeeping time, she works with the Awesome Foundation, a micro-philanthropy organization, and she reads a lot of history books. True story. Great. Welcome to the booth, Alex. Thank you. Glad uh, to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. This is a nice and pithy bio, <laughs> uh, but it also is one that gave me, you know, a sense of who you are and what you do, uh, and what you do it for, and what some of your interests are. That's a good job. Yeah, thank you. You don't need a lot of... That's what social media is all about, right? Like, it, getting yeah. it concise, getting it short. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, uh, Mark Twain, um, they asked him... Um, something about his editing process and he said well you know I would have made the book shorter if I had more time <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> I like Hemingway on that when he's talking about you know just drinking all the whiskey and then mm -hmm. doing all the, the editing afterwards yes uh, and That's he right. would write his sentences did not have a lot of extraneous words no yeah probably the word extraneous doesn't show up in any of Hemingway's books yeah <laughs> uh, I actually wrote a paper in high school about Hemingway's use of the word it how he could make the word it mean a lot more than other authors could. Absolutely. And that he used it like really deliberately and strategically like as it in a way that like the audience wouldn't necessarily know what it was. Yeah. You, it left you to fill in the blanks. And I remember I got an F on the paper because no Mr. Parsons is, partic <laughs> is a particularly unenlightened <laughs> English teacher at Loomis Chafee High School. He's still teaching there Oof. in Windsor, Connecticut. <laughs> you should not send your kids there. Wow. <laughs> Close-minded, <laughs> Mr. Parsons. You should have known better. Uh, I now often get paid to write things for a living. Mr. Parsons does not. <laughs> so he can take his degree from Middlebury and enjoy his time living in the dorms with the boys. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I think we're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was not that bad. I had worse teachers. No, that's fair. Uh, I, there's a few things in your bio, though, I would like to talk to you about. Absolutely. Uh, I happen to know how old you are. You told me before yes. the podcast. I won't out you on the, on the air. <laughs> uh, but this says, in 2014, you were recognized as an emerging leader by Washington Women in Public Relations. Uh, to that 14, it was not that long ago. You, I happen to know, because I know how old you were, that you were a full-grown adult in 2014. What did you do? What was your job in 2014? I was still working at Beekeeper Group, still uh, not actually tending live bees, uh, but metaphorical bees or your supporters who are out there trying to uh, not 
let you get stung. I can really go all day with bee puns, mm-hmm. but I won't. Uh, so was working there, and uh, I guess... I want to point out, your decision to not do the bee puns is that's you. Yeah. I am not encouraging. No, I'm saying, yeah. all the bee, please bring all the bee puns that we can stand. I will... Which is a lot. I'll we have a high tolerance <laughs> here in the booth for bee puns. Although, I mean, I don't know if you're allergic or anything, but EpiPens got a little more expensive recently, so... It's true. <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, yeah, so then I was working at Beekeeper Group, was also doing awesome foundation stuff then, and was transitioning from a more client management role to a dual role of staff development and client management at that time. So I guess that meant that I'm emerging into the world of awesome leadership. <laughs> it sounds to me like you were doing you were current you were doing awesome leadership. The word emerging is what's confusing to me about this. Yeah. Yeah. Did no, you have you since emerged? Have you finished? I think I have emerged. I think I am the the butterfly now out of the chrysalis. <laughs> uh, congratulations. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, and um, you uh, are so you're no longer with uh, the beekeepers. No, I am. I am you still are. there. Yep. And uh, what has your role uh, advanced you, since you finished emerging? Yes, your... definitely. Uh, the company has grown. Well, I started off as the tenth employee. And now I am uh, one of like almost 30 employees and uh, I help to, yeah, really develop those staff. I'm the chief of staff Can now. Talk about chief Please. of staff? Yeah, it's a pretty swanky title. Well, certainly chief of staff means that you've emerged. Yes. You can't be emerging and also the chief of staff. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, one time I, had the, I was the chief of staff at a consulting firm. And that they just said they were like we you can pick whatever title you want. Yeah, yeah. And I said chief of staff. <laughs> uh, West Wing was on television back then. Yeah. I, I was just like I'll be the chief of because I well it was also really useful because mm-hmm. people responded to my emails much more than if I was like someone's executive assistant. Oh yeah. Which is really what I, or office manager. That's really what I was. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would I was the only staff, so I was the chief. Yeah. Well, that that works. That counts. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. Now, um, the, I, uh, originally had reached out the beekeeper stuff is very interesting and, yeah. and, uh, bees are very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is that issue with, uh, EpiPens and that's, um, it affects actually a lot. I uh, worked at a school. I've had to administer an EpiPen Oof. to kids wow. a couple times. Yeah. Uh, twice, uh, both to Shiloh. Uh, he was allergic to everything. <laughs> Poor Shiloh. <laughs> <laughs> and he would puff right up. And oh. then if you gave him the EpiPen. Not instant. Man. Never, like, I, uh, that's, it's a really uh, miraculous uh, device that saves lives. Yeah, modern technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not all that modern. Yeah, I guess not, for, yeah. This was a long time ago I yeah. gave those injections to Shiloh. <laughs> this was my first job out of college. Wow, was, like, nice. 15, 15 years ago I was given EpiPen injections. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the what we were paying for his <laughs> EpiPen, but I know I know. And uh, growing up in Maine, we do have a lot of bees. Mm. Uh, a lot of my friends had to, were wearing one around their neck all the time. I got stung a lot growing up. Wow. Uh, I played in the woods a lot. Yeah. Um, thank God I'm not. I'd be long dead. Yeah. If I was like, I got one, one, uh, 20, 25 stings once when I stepped, on a, stepped on a nest. Oh. It was actually pretty funny. I stepped on the nest. They all jumped up and started biting me. And we were, I was standing on a cliff face next to a swimming hole. So I just yelled, bees, and jumped. <laughs> and the bees followed me. They were, I oh, yeah. in the oh, air, still, still getting stung as I fell down into it. But once, once I got into the water, then that. 
Oof. I had, I freed my, that's what you should run to the water and jump in? Yeah. It's the general main approach to bees? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you know, I hadn't actually thought about that. I've only ever had, like, two real, like, negative encounters with bees in real life. Mm. One, a bee crawled up my nose when I was in elementary school. Ooh. Uh, didn't get too far up there, thank God. <laughs> yes. But, um, so that Did was, it, was it removed? It, well, it came out after a while, okay. but there was like so It's not much. still up there. Thank goodness, no, no. But you know, if I, you eat maybe. a fig, <laughs> you're almost certainly eating at least one bee. Really? The I did female, not know that. In the, the process of uh, fertilizing figs, the bees do that, and usually uh, most figs that, that become ripened enough to, to become fruit that we eat, uh, there's been at least because a female has yeah. uh, got in there and, and mm. couldn't get out. And wow. it, it thought, like, actually, there's not pieces of bees. The enzymes break it down. It just tastes like fig. But yeah. there was a whole bee in there. Huh. And uh, you probably swallow some in your sleep, too. I need a more you know rainbow right now. <laughs> <laughs> we can put that in later. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but the uh, uh, reason we had you by is the, uh, the awesome foundation. Indeed. Uh, I have uh, heard about it a few times and um, never been much involved with my, with it myself. But I'll say, I gave I used to give a satirical presentation about my own foundation. Uh, I made up our history and I was I used it as a way to sort of uh, you know satirically criticize foundation work. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when I when I did that, someone in the audience who I don't I never actually met the person, but some, I mean, there was a lot of people there to see the, the first time I did it big conference I did this at and we went out and they just thought I was giving a presentation on my foundation no one knew that I was that it was all like a joke uh, and uh, someone tweeted to uh, I think his name's Tim yeah oh yeah he's uh, great hey Tim you should check this out um, this guy seems right up your alley and then someone tweeted at me I should check out the awesome foundation that was I don't know 2011 or something yeah and I, I uh, unfortunately they never really I never met Tim or spoke to him or anything. He's a really, really uh, lovely, but lovely guy. But he got tweeted at about me once several years ago. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll pass this along to Tim. So now that that, well, he'll, I assume he'll listen. He'll listen. Yeah. Hi, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Tim. It's nice to finally meet you. If you check your Twitter backlog, I'm, you find me in there somewhere. Uh, the... Um, uh, so why don't you tell me what the Awesome Foundation is? Yeah, absolutely. So we are, well, first off, on sort of the irreverence, like it's sort of like a group of irreverently kind people, I would say. So sounding similar to what you were describing. With I am wildly irreverent. <laughs> yeah. But with the, uh, with the intent of really trying to forward awesome in the universe. So we are a loosely affiliated group of people uh, kind of do-gooders or people who appreciate awesome in the universe. Uh, there are 85 chapters currently in 19 countries. Uh, first one started by Tim, uh, in, I think 2009 in Boston, and it's expanded. DC was a couple, probably like in the like first 10 of the chapters, uh, started in 2011. So I've been working with the DC chapter of the Awesome Foundation since 2013. What we do is every month we get a group of people together, each person gives $100, and we give that money to somebody, no strings attached. They apply uh, by answering a few very, very simple questions, and we evaluate them on four very simple criteria. What are those criteria? How do you evaluate them? Tell me more about that. So uh, the criteria are, is it awesome? 
What is how? What does awesome mean? Awesome means different things to different people. So uh, it all depends. I, on... I, for instance, am fairly familiar with the Bible. Uh, well, and it means yes. quite a bit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's what you're. Maybe you're talking about that. <laughs> it's, not, it's not. It's not entirely. Well, you know, some people I think do take it that way. We actually have one trustee right now. You on... seem to be implying that it means good. It, I think it means good, yes. Although there is a debate between is it good or is it weird? Is it like the people who are sort of different who might not necessarily be getting the ty- type of traditional funding that you might get from another fo- foundation or something? Oh. Um, so there's a couple different sides of it, right? So awesome can mean who you, what you define it as or how you see the vision of a positive future to be. Those were mm-hmm. kind of words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so, is it awesome? Is the first criteria? Then, uh, will it make DC more awesome? So, again, applying that same uh, level of self-definition of awesome foundation or whatever awesome is to DC. There are chapters close by. There's one in Northern Virginia. There's one in Baltimore. Uh, one in West Virginia now. How many total chapters? Uh, Eighty-five total chapters uh, across the world, though. I don't know how many are in the United States. There's a bunch in Canada as well. So, what is the? Let's say there's someone out there who lives in a community that does not have an awesome foundation, <laughs> and they want one there. Well, is uh, there perhaps something that they can do? It, yeah, it's very, very easy. Uh, I mean, relatively easy, assuming that you have ten people who you can get in touch with. You just have to. You need ten. Uh, yeah, we're trying to give $1,000, although... That's the grant size? Yes. Grant size typically should be $1,000, but there's really no rules. This is like a, a very uh, loosely, loosely affiliated, pretty much rule-free group. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it can be $1,000. In some groups, they might not be able to get $1,000, so they'll give $800. Uh, mm-hmm. DC really tries to keep it at $1,000 or... Uh, in the past, we've given grants to two $500 grants. I generally find it weird that when a funder decides how much their grants are before they decide where they're going. Yeah. How could you know what... It doesn't make any sense. So... Sit there and have your pile of money. Yeah. And look at everything and see what the need is and give appropriately based on that. Yeah, I think that's like very, very in line with the traditional level of. Uh, we give fifty. We give. Yeah. Why? Why do you do? So you... I think one thousand dollars <laughs> is just easy because it's like we're trying to get ten people together at least. And I think less than that, and it's it. It doesn't make as much. Of that's an a good. That's any. There yeah. is no nonprofit that that doesn't notice. Yeah. Receiving at that well, maybe Red Cross doesn't yeah. particularly notice, but I doubt that <laughs> uh, you're giving grants to Red Cross. Yeah. No, uh, or any organization of that anywhere near that size. No, and actually that was one of the, the big uh, deciding factors from this most recent funding round, which was uh, on Monday evening, where uh, there were two groups. I that... had meant to attend and was unable to. Uh, well, we will invite Apologize. you to the next to the next one. I was going to be Amy's proxy. Yes. And I couldn't make it. No worries. No worries. Um, it was a good... I it, hope that it went well. It, it did. It was a very robust discussion. There's a lot of organizations. Yes. I read through most of the stuff. I got to learn yeah. about some new groups. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the, the winner ended up being the uh, National Hand Dance Association, uh, which I'm very, very excited that they won because uh, they have applied Are you so a hand times. dancer? I am not, but I have seen a hand dance demo, and it was really uh, very cool. exciting. Yeah. Uh, do you often support the arts? Uh, so there's two different types of grants that we give typically. It's uh, orphans or flamethrowers. Uh, orphans, you know, that's sort of a 
glib way of saying it can be like the do good, uh, the actual like sure. whatever flamethrowers. Actually, I that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, that's there is a sort of so there are I think one of the problems in philanthropy is that we do have a lack of descriptor, descriptors sometime. So like I'll say I, I usually try to uh, differentiate between charity and philanthropy. Yeah. Uh, I think what I think you're saying when you're saying orphans, you're saying charity, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is just I have here I am with my pile of money, and you mm -hmm. clearly need money. Have some. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I think that's pretty pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, and the flamethrowers are going to be your more off the wall, um, your crazy like reenactments of uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom type of things. Mm -hmm. So was that in? I don't think I saw that. Yeah, so that, that was not this time. Um, that was a couple years ago. A woman named Lauren Ellen McCann did a really awesome... Uh, she got a big orb and got an alley over by 14th Street Northwest here in D.C. And have, uh, pointing, you know, <laughs> generally. In a nebulous booth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To I used to play in the woods a lot, so I always know where north is. That's very smart. That's that's great. I, <laughs> it's a skill that I've always wanted to, wanted to have. North is that way. All right, mm -hmm. got it. Um, sorry, people who can't see where North is. Yeah, but they can. Tr I'm right. Yeah. I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she got a like rented. I guess I don't know rented or uh, secured an alley and then a bunch of props and had people pretend that they were being chased by a giant boulder. Uh, mm -hmm. It was great. I did. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Uh, some of the folks here at the lookout were involved in. A, there's a thing. I think it's happened a few times at Howard called Point Break Live. Whoa, I haven't they heard do, of this. It's a live staged production of Point Break. Oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah, our, one of our resident graphic artists, Steve Mercado, I think he played Bodie. Uh, they really One should time. apply for a grant. Actually, Steve upstairs, you, should, yeah, yeah. you, you just saw him. I think, he did the, I think he does the music for it or something. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, no, it's really neat. And I actually had an idea. I, uh, uh, one of my heroes uh, as an actor is Gene Wilder, who mm. uh, passed away this week. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, the first play I was ever in was um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, yes. I played uh, Charlie. This was in um, junior high school or whatever. Mm -hmm. But obviously I watched that, and it was it was amazing. And I think, like, so it's really interesting. Um, when Years later, they uh, played it again with Johnny Depp, who is, uh, in, in a lot of ways, uh, has more range and uh, more depth of talent yeah. than Gene Wilder. Uh, but also, to, like, just so much more ego mm. uh, that, I, and I think there's very few, I don't talk about acting very much here in the booth, it's not the topic of the podcast, uh, but Gene Wilder passed away this weekend, he was a very philanthropic man, so yeah. somewhat in line with what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and this is not to disparage Johnny Depp at all, but when Johnny Depp does a movie, he's the star of the movie. Yeah. And he'll be in the first scene and the last scene. Mm -hmm. In fact, that Michael uh, Caine has a really famous quote. That's how he decides if he's going to take a part or not. Yeah, yeah. He reads the first page and the last page, and if he's in both, he yeah. does the movie. <laughs> and that's that's your uh, as act actors choose to be leading men sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, I never that was as an actor not is actually not something I'm interested in. I find leading men roles to be somewhat boring. Uh, a role like Willy Wonka though is like is beautiful in a lot of ways. And one of the main ways is that he's not the star. Of the sh he's in some ways the star. Of the sh he's the most important character. Yeah. He, the, this universe doesn't exist without him. Yeah. But he but he lets other like he lets the story get told. He doesn't have to be the one moving it forward at all times. In the remake with Johnny Depp, it was like we have to show his we have to tell his backstory. He's gonna be it's gonna be about him and not about Charlie and his yeah. story. Yeah. Well, right? that's, that's great. That's why it's they it's good. They're both good versions. 
But the one with Johnny Depp is not the one that's going to go down in the annals of history as a classic film that like we, that we watch with our kids twenty years from now, right? Totally. Like the and also it was a musical, which yes. that helps. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, it does. Uh, and I will not sing. I can sing all the songs from that, and I will not. I will. <laughs> I, I will I think, spare you now. Well, thank you. I, I mean, I think thank you. I don't know. I can. If you can carry a tune, you can go for it. I, I, I say pretty good. And actually, that's <laughs> that stuff's written. Uh, it's all written in my range pretty well. So it actually nice. would be. I would. I've never played Willy Wonka, but that would be like. Yeah. That would be the sort of thing I would want to do, and I would want to even be like a play step back more and let the like. He's the one who brings all these. He, you know, it's and he got to wear his purple suit. Yeah. He, if you, I, I watched the movie the other day. He, uh, it's a lot of him just sort of. He's not doing. He's there. Yeah. And moving, and he's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, my I have an idea to do. <laughs> you can tell me if you think this is a good something that the that Awesome Foundation might be interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that other favorite film line is Blazing Saddles. Oh yeah. I think one of the best comedic scenes between two comedic actors, and not in a ha ha way, just a this is hilarious way, is when is the when the Waco kid and the sheriff have their first conversation mm-hmm. and they play the chess, and he he you know. Uh, I want to do. I've, I, I need to find an actor to play the sheriff, but I want to just do that scene live, like upstairs on the yeah. stage somewhere. Yeah, that would be awesome. The Waco kid live or whatever. So I, and I, I need to do it. That's something we would have to do like soon because yeah, yeah. You know, while it's while he's still, and I think a lot of people feel probably the same way about him as. Oh yeah, as I definitely. Do. I, just a like really fascinating icon for people. Mm-hmm. I, I think. In well, I find it interesting that you guys do. So there is, there has a, been a decent amount written. Oh, sure. This is great. Uh-oh. Three. Yikes. She's getting her second refill. Sorry, guys. Most of the ladies only have, especially for an afternoon recording. Mm. <laughs> the best part is this that is great. I'm going to a wine tasting now after this, feel, too. And I don't feel like a schmuck <laughs> for drinking the whole bottle. It's happened before where I just sat here drinking the, oh, that's the guests. Sad. Did, so a couple of the guests didn't actually drink any wine. Really? Won't say who. Oh. Right? We just sort of fake. Well, now it. I'm going to listen to it. We just fake it. it. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> so it's, there's a few episodes where I'm the old, where, and it's pretty, you can actually probably tell if you listen all the way to the end of those episodes <laughs> because my guests will be lucid and trying to make points about their organization. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then there's also the one time that we drank whiskey instead of wine. Oh, man. Which I highly recommend listening to that episode. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel Karpenchoff and I, Lord Daniel Karpenchoff. Wow. Of Glen, Glencoe. Uh, hmm. He wanted whiskey and. When Lord Daniel requests whiskey. Yeah, if you booth, have a title like that, you get what you want, I think, at all times. <laughs> He's the only Jewish Scottish lord. Hmm. Wow. So you're in fancy, Again. fancy company. I know, yeah. yeah. I need another the more <laughs> I didn't you know. realize yeah. you were, what you were stepping into. Um, so, uh, but uh, there's been, a, and we've talked about it in the booth a lot of times, mm-hmm. that, that uh, and it's, it's true on a, a statistical level, is that... Uh, 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 arts philanthropy is uh, teetering off, mm-hmm. and in particular, young philanthropists uh, sometimes have uh, very negative opinions about donating to artistic institutions. Yeah. And while I can say, like, I have a similar, uh, the Moss Foundation does not give money to as a policy to anyone who has more money than we do, uh, which I think every foundation should think Absolutely. about instituting. Yeah. Um, I don't know why anyone would donate to Harvard. Uh, and no. they, they in yeah. fact raise more money than almost everybody else. It's really like that's that we got to stop doing that stuff. They don't need any philanthropy dollars. Yeah. If you're sitting at home thinking about donating to Harvard, <laughs> that is, it is. You may have a worthwhile reason for wanting to do so. There's there like you're not you're giving money to someone who has forty billion in the bank. You're wait you're just you you should lay your money on fire. 
<laughs> it would be better. Yeah. It would possibly create some warmth. Yeah. For someone who was flamethrowers. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Uh, but so like, so for instance, I wouldn't donate to the Kennedy Center, even mm -hmm. though I like to frequent it. I will pay for my ticket yeah. when I go to the Kennedy Center. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, they, I think what they charge is fair sometimes. Better than New York, better than trying to see a Broadway show yes, for sure. definitely. Uh, and, um, or like, you know, any of the major, uh, theaters or, or large institutions. But it sounds to me like you, 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 you found a way to, uh, support arts in a way that does appeal to, uh, a younger philanthropist. Yeah. And I think that's neat. I'm very interested in that. Yeah, and I think part of that is just because we keep it so open-ended. So uh, when you define something as awesome, I think art often falls into that awesome category. Uh, if it is inspiring awe, that's... The so art that we try, that I try to make, I hope for it to be, <laughs> I hope for it to be awesome. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I think that's something that, especially for artists who might not have like really established connections in the city. I think we do a really, really good job of uh, giving them the type of support that they need. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, a thousand dollars to Kennedy Center. It's nothing. Uh, you don't even get your name on any of the plaques. No. Mm -mm. You got so many plaques over there, you don't get your, yeah. name, don't get your name on there. We had a really great, um, <laughs> uh, this uh, But for like, so for, I could do my Gene Wilder Wake Up Kid project, I probably don't need a thousand dollars. Yeah. And I could, you know, we can, I can have a stage already. Like that, that's a real art. I need, I can't do it for, I need a reason to do it. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's great, I think about your model is that you, you know, that can lead to other stuff for them. Absolutely. We got an awesome foundation grant. Yeah. And you've got a group. It's not just one person who gave it. It's a group of people who are now more aware of the project, might actually go frequent the art, be a yeah. patron of it. That's very interesting. Yep. Uh, actually, there's a great example of that uh, recently with, uh, so going back to sort of like irreverent kindness and that idea, we also have uh, funny titles for ourselves. So I'm uh, Dean of Awesome Foundation. I Co noticed. Uh, Co-Dean, uh, not the drug. And you believe that that's funny? Uh, well, it, well, it's sort of satirical, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think it's satirical. Uh, we also have, like our treasurer is called the chairperson of economic studies, uh, things along those lines. We really try and play on I am the, the acting temporary indefinite executive director yes. of the Moss Family Foundation. Precisely, yes. Uh, that's that's Again, fabulous. that is a they let me choose my own title situation. Mm -hmm. If you're at home and you're thinking about hiring me at some point in the future, don't let me pick my own title. <laughs> I'm going to pick something ridiculous. It's... And I'm very good at it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, there is a, we have a member here at the Lookout who uh, has a separate company, actually not related to the Lookout, but his role there is that he is the chief evangelist. Ooh. Which, I, no, I don't, no. Don't ooh that. <laughs> doesn't deserve your support. No, I, I really, I appreciate that Chief kind marketing of... officer is a thing that we know what it is. Mm. We, don't, we didn't need to yeah. call that something else. He's not, eva evangelizing has a very specific meaning. Well, it I... involves God. No. And his company does not. I think, I think, <laughs> I like the idea of like brand evangelists. Like I know Bojangles has brand evangelists and things it's like that. It's not what evangelism is. I, it's not, it's not precisely what Your it is. Your brand but... <laughs> and like a large spiritual movement are not the same. No, I don't care how big your brand is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Those are not the same thing. And I don't care how connected you are to your like Lululemon gear or whatever it is. Right? You're not. I tried to pick something. You're not that. I think you're not wearing. I'm not wearing it. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever even walked into a Lululemon. I don't think that I have either. But yeah. like that's that. And I think those brands would love to be the, like new. We're the new brands of the new churches. Mm -hmm. No, you're not. Mm -mm. Uh, that is not community. That is commerce. And there's nothing wrong with commerce, but don't, I don't like, I don't like it when people pretend to be things that they aren't. Yeah. Especially when someone who, if you have more money than the person you're pretending 
to be. That yes. is that's yeah. very very untoward, and I don't like it. So like I one of my favorite brands is Adidas, and they don't go around. And I I think there's probably some people who enjoy Adidas who like think about it like a, a cult. Yeah. Uh, but like I don't think that I don't see the company doing that. Whereas yeah. Apple. Oh yeah, it's it's a little cult. I mean, they have they do things that are like they they make you come and listen to them talk about what no. <laughs> Put you, you put your products in a catalog. I can read about it. Like everybody, like, <laughs> you're not. It's not. This isn't a movement. It's not church. Mm-hmm. Uh, please keep the. I, I like my earbuds. I like being able to plug them into my phone. Please don't change the. Oh yeah. The audio. Yeah. Check. Apple, please don't do that. I think that'll be the last straw for me. Really? Are that's, you gonna go Galaxy? That's just, I don't. Well, the the other phones have caught up, so yeah. it's not like they can all do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just a like screw you. I want to make more money. Move. I mean, they're not gonna give me much of a choice if they do that. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I believe that they will. They have a tendency. They've done very similar things. Um, they want to move things forward. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I'll get another phone. <laughs> uh, or maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll stop having a cell phone. Hmm. Who knows? Off the grid. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, the uh, so I want to. Uh, this has uh, been very informative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like uh, the bottle very much. Um, I'd like to. Uh, you know, I think. Uh, something interesting that could that uh, perhaps we could talk about outside the booth some point uh, is if you're you know I saw uh, you got a lot of proposals you gave one thousand dollar grant yeah you had seventy one proposals indeed so yeah. you said no seventy times uh, well we said no but you can apply again seventy times um, sometimes okay it, it was a really heavy month this month. Um, is that a lot? Was that a, I was I was surprised yeah. to see the bulk. That seems like a lot. So that's yeah. uh, that's just for this month. So that you got seventy one in the last month. Yeah, for a thousand for one thousand dollar grant. For one one thousand dollar <laughs> grant. Yeah. Uh, the the challenge Yikes. was that last month we focused on only applicants who were under the age of eighteen. Mm, interesting. And it it turned out really fabulous. We that's ended cool. up actually getting an anonymous five hundred dollar donation on top of everything. So we gave two grants mm. last month, which was cool. Uh, but. Uh, I once worked for an organization we had. Most of our board was under 18. Really? Which oh. was is illegal. <laughs> you can't you can't enter into an agreement if you're under 18. So. Yeah, yeah. And we entered into agreements with them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. at one point, every so you you have to in order to keep your C3 status, you have to have board members. Mm-hmm. And at one point, all of our board members were under 18, which technically the IRS should have revoked it for us. <laughs> but it's actually IRS I know one of the things I've learned is that the getting if you got your tax status revoked. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you did. You must have tried to get it revoked. Yeah. You must have called the IRS and yeah. like told them to piss off. Like I don't know what like because they you just break whatever rules you want. Yeah. If you're listening at home, that was not official <laughs> tax or legal advice. No. I'm not an accountant <laughs> nor am I a lawyer, but I am never wrong. Yeah. yeah that's great. That's a great place <laughs> to be. <laughs> um, what was really funny about the under 18 grant was uh, this kid. Where did that go? Who did that go to? I'm very curious. Um, so he was uh, building an anti-bullying movement. Um, really, really cool. Really great kid. And we emailed him, which was what we do every. Uh, it's, so again, it's like pretty loosely affiliated. We have this loose structure where we have systems in place, but uh, it's kind of like ad hoc. So we email people to tell them that they get a thousand dollars, and we actually give them the one thousand dollars in a brown paper bag with cash. So I email this kid, and I'm like, hey. Uh, you won. We thought your project was really awesome. We would love to meet up with you and give you $1,000 in cash. No response. Kind of weird. Uh, a week goes by. Email again. No response. We find another email. Email. No response. I'm like, man, did we, like, what happened here? I'm like, okay, I'll try calling. So I, I call, 
and no response. And I talked to one of my colleagues and they were like, you are the worst millennial ever. Text him. So I texted and two minutes later he responded. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's very interesting. <laughs> then, like an hour later, his mom called me and was like, "Is this legit? Like, are, are you giving my son one thousand dollars?" It's like, "Yes, we are. He he did awesome things." So that's very interesting. That reminds me a lot of my. Uh, it was the National Youth Rights Association. Oh, awesome! So it was, we helped young people defend their own rights. So that's why it was important that the board be. Actually, we had the I'm sure the youngest board in the country. Yeah. Uh, the you know the average board member's age. I, this I looked this up a long time ago, but. So this is off of 2006 numbers. Or yeah. Maybe it's probably older now. Yeah. Quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But would you like to take a guess? Is the average board member's age? 65. 78. Oh man, that's rough. You know the average American is? Uh, I don't actually. 37. Really? Well, wow. Uh, we have uh, one of the oldest average ages in the world. Yeah. Uh, which does not, and even with the old, even with that, right? Still. The average board member is 40 years older than yeah. the average person in the country, right? And most of the there's a lot of nonprofits that exclude that, that serve exclusively young people. Yeah. So you've got these decision makers who are sometimes several generations removed from mm-hmm. the. It doesn't. And I'm sure that's not the only identity factor that is, mm. uh, uh, you know, unique amongst them. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, age is by far the where the biggest uh, disequity is. Yeah. Uh, there are. Uh, I mean, there's definitely like mostly white male board members, but yeah. like there are women board members, there are black board members, yeah. there are Latino board members, there uh, there aren't board members under thirty. Yeah, there I I know them all personally. They've yeah. been in this booth. <laughs> um, it's a it's they're statistical outliers. Yeah, and that's crazy. People in their twenties can do a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the idea that they we don't and none of the brightest twenty year olds are like capable of serving. And most Americans, I think, think. That that's just not something like that's kind of the uh, the the mother's reaction. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to me. Um, I was very uh, fortunate to have uh, extremely encouraging parents, possibly over encouraging. <laughs> uh, and the I mean, as she would that that like is it legit yeah. response? Like, well, my my kid is just just a kid. Yeah. Right. How how old is this young man? Uh, I think he's like 16. 16? Yeah. There are so many 16-year-olds that could take a $1,000 grant and do good in their communities with it. Like most 16-year-olds mm. can. Oh, yeah. But the even his own mother's reaction is that, that can, you can't possibly be doing this. I will say, though, yeah, <laughs> she was so supportive when we finally like connected. Right, but she, she but lives like, in yeah. a... I don't think she's an unsupportive parent. No, That's not no, what no, I mean yeah, yeah. No, she yeah. just She lives in the, the real world where this is the general thought we have yep. about children's ca- capabilities. I think it's it's hard for me. I came from and a... And who be, who's better equipped to run an anti-bullying campaign targeting young people yeah. than a 16-year-old? Who, Absolutely. I assume probably either been bullied or bullied somebody. Yeah, yeah. Most kids have. Yep. Yeah, it, it's sort of interesting for me. I came from a, a really, really special school um, that had this humanistic philosophy. So I think I grew up not really realizing like just how weird it was to have to not have those opportunities or to live in that world. So I, I still, in a way, like hope to make that the, the reality for the future. Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I hope he works out with it. And one of the things I, yeah. that um, yeah, that yeah, is true about young people, sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah. Right. I think I feel like you know we give a thousand dollar grant to this kid. Mm-hmm. Right? If I got a thousand dollar grant from a program, from some from a foundation or something to do something, mm-hmm. and I failed, that wouldn't be the end of my career, right? I yeah. you know I I could I would justify it. I would explain it, right? Yep. But like if this kid's campaign doesn't really, if not much happens, then people are gonna be like, oh well, you shouldn't have given a grant to a sixteen year old. But that's why I think it's so important that it's no strings attached for us. Like mm-hmm. we really like we'll follow up. And well, we he should have the absolute supportive. freedom to fail with this. Yeah. If he one of the great things about yep. a sixteen year old failing. 
chance. He's got Fail a lot fast. more time mm -hmm. to use the knowledge he gained yep. by failing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I, I mean, I think it's so, so important. To... That's what expertise is, is making every possible mistake. Yeah. That's when you're once you're an expert. So uh, I think, I mean, that's uh, that's incredible. Yeah. The awesome foundation is awesome. Thank you. Uh, I would love to uh, continue talking outside the booth because, uh, like, you know, you've got, uh, uh, you made one awesome grant this week, but <laughs> the 70 folks that, you know, all you can really do for them is encourage them to apply again. Yep. Uh, that is the uh, the focus of the unfunded list as uh, we try, we, uh, I want to make a secondary market for those rejected proposals. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, this is just a, this has been a very interesting conversation. Um, cause you've, you know, especially with the sourcing you're doing, um, right. These people have, uh, you know, people with an outside the box idea, they're not going to say, well, I won't, you know, uh, I often, I talk to a lot of folks with outside the box ideas. They say, well, I won't apply to four. This never, I'll never get a fund. I'll never get funded by the Ford foundation. You, they're like, well, these people are willing to fund all kinds of crazy stuff. They're going to send me, yeah. uh, you know, and so, uh, we're looking for like really cool unfunded proposals all the time. Awesome. Uh, we like giving feedback to folks that have had trouble finding funding. Yeah. Finding funding is an extremely niche skill. Yeah. That you shouldn't have. It's not something that mm -hmm. people should be expected uh, to be able to do. Well, uh, and you shouldn't need to do that in order to have social impact on the world. Yeah, and I, I would add, I mean, just for those, for some people who are applying for these grants and who, at, like, are trying to go out there and make a difference, they don't hear yes very often. So it's so, so mm. nice to be able to give them that first yes. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I would counter and say that no does not have to be unproductive. Correct. Uh, Frank, you do no, but uh, but please apply again. We try to do no, uh, and here's feedback on your on your proposal. Um, we do. I think a lot of people try tend to think no is a like you're being rude when you're saying no. Um, and in fact, in, in some other cultures, that's it's it's that's even more deeply ingrained. Yeah. Um, sometimes the answer is no, and you're not doing anybody any favors by saying anything other than no when that's what the answer is. Uh, but uh, you can, we can give feedback. We can be open. We can think about uh, all of the currencies that we have to give. Uh, money is not the only thing that folks can give to a nonprofit. Uh, for me personally, uh, I can do more for you with my Rolodex than I can with my bank account. And I run a, I run my family foundation. Yeah. And that's true for me, and it's true for Bill Gates too, because Bill Gates can write you a big grant, right? You know what else he can do? He can get Warren Buffett and Carlos Slim on the phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which and those two people have a lot more money than he does. So, yes. <laughs> uh, and he knows, in fact, many other people with mm -hmm. with billions of dollars. Uh, I only know about a handful of them. Uh, and uh, in fact, some of them have been in this booth, right. but none of them were as delightful as oh, my guests today. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for stopping by. Yeah. As always. I want to thank our host, the Lookout DC, which is a beautiful co-working community for filmmakers located in the Adams Morgan neighborhood of DC. Thank you, everybody, and good luck with your funding. <laughs>